It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number four. I hope you've been enjoying the study in 2 Corinthians. We've been doing this past week. We uh, uh, hope you read through your devotional this past week uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was uh, comparing the glory that he would that he would experience in the gospel with the, the glory that shone on Moses' face as he returned from the mountain, as, as Moses returned from the mountain, people were afraid because they could see God's glory shining in the face of Moses. And the, uh, Moses covered his face so that the people wouldn't be scared of him. But the longer that Moses was away from God, the longer he was away from the mountain, the glory began to fade. And Paul comes back in chapter 3 and he says, but this glory of the gospel, it does not fade. And it continues. And he, then he picks up with this same thought of glory in chapter 4. And what we'll see, really all of chapter 4 is about the glory of God. And we'll see first where the, the, he, Paul focuses on seeing God's glory. Then toward the middle of the chapter, he comes back and he begins looking at suffering for God's glory as a minister of the gospel. But then as, as he turns to the end of the chapter, really it's all about seeing God's glory again. And so we'll see that today uh, in the passage. But as we begin, we'll just read verse 1 to start off with. And I just ask you to stand again in honor of God's word. And let's just read. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Let's all bow our heads and let's pray. God, I just pray today, Lord. Lord, as we look in your word, God, that you would be glorified and magnified. Lord, I pray that we would see your glory. The glory, Lord, that you showed the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration. God, the glory that was displayed as Jesus walked on this earth. The glory as the only begotten Father. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we'll be encouraged. Lord, I pray you would encourage those who are discouraged. God, I pray those that have not trusted you, God, I pray you convict them and move them to see the gospel. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that everything that's said, they would be in accordance to your will. God, I just want to magnify you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seen. Let's start off in chapter 4. 
as I said, you know, first we'll be looking at seeing God's glory. The Bible's uh, there in uh, verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. You know, Paul, Paul first, as he's seen the glory, seeing God's glory, he sees God's glory in light of the gospel. You know, he, see, he says, because we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. You know, there Paul, he said he was encouraged. He did not lose heart. If he did not lose heart, using that double negative, he is coming back and saying he is encouraged. He has heart. Isn't that right? You know, for I mean, we say things like that as well. Don't we at that time? You know, you may say, Why well, that did not amuse me. Well, what they mean, that really bored you, right? You know, but here he said, This does not discourage him. It did not make him lose heart. He said he did not, he was encouraged in the gospel. Why? Because he had received mercy. You know, for us, everyone that has trusted Christ as their Savior, we can be encouraged. Because we've had this ministry of the gospel. When we think back in our life, how much mercy has God given you in your life? You know, if we think back on the mercies of God and how much He has blessed us, how can we do anything except be encouraged? You know, if we're not encouraged as we consider the mercies of God, you know, either one or two things. I think first, either you do not understand what God has done for you, or you've never experienced His salvation. Maybe you don't understand. We maybe don't understand how bad our sin was, how much we were separated from Christ, how much we were separated from God until Christ came and died for us and took the punishment for our sin. But let's go on a little further. He says, in verse number 2, But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul there, we can see the gospel, that he wanted to proclaim the gospel clearly. Paul didn't want people to not understand. Some people had had made accusations against Paul that he was trying to give them a hidden message. He said, I want to make sure people understand truly what the gospel is. And you know, this morning, I want to make sure people understand what the gospel is, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be born again, what it means to trust Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us first that we've all seen it. You know, we're all in a mess. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. You know, as Paul looks at the glory of God, he said, we've all fell short of God's glory. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, don't think and say, oh goodness, if I make the decision to trust Christ, then people are going to think bad of me. And people, you know, let me tell you what, everybody here that's trusted Christ if you're honest, will say, I fell short of God's glory. And if you don't say, I fell short of God's glory, you probably have never come to the point where you trusted Christ 
is your Savior. Because that's the first step you have to realize where you have fallen short. But not only have we fell short of God's glory, God has made a way of our salvation. When we were without hope and on our way to hell, God made a way. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God made a way through Christ. Paul told the Corinthians earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, he talks about the gospel. He said, For, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus came and died and was buried, but he lives again. He has risen again. The Bible goes on to tell us we can experience this new life in him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For us, Jesus has made a way. What we have to do is confess Him. Come to the point in our life where we confess that Greek word comes back to mean same word. Confess. We need to say the same thing about our sin that Jesus would say about our sin. And place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Let's go a little further. In verse 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. As he sees and proclaims about God's glory, he comes back and he tells them, those who are not trusting in Christ, the problem is your eyes are blind. And mainly in this day, he was speaking of the Jews, that just as we had looked in chapter 3, that where Moses had covered his face and could not, his face was veiled, and they could not see the glory of God, he said, because of your unbelief, your eyes are veiled and you don't see my glory. Why was their face veiled? Because the Bible says, because their mind, uh, whose mind's the God of this age, has blinded. He was talking about the devil, Satan, Jesus, and John even <laughs> said that Satan was the ruler of this world, but not of the world to come. Christ is the King of kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the one that we can depend on. But here on this earth, Satan is doing everything he can to blind people's eyes. And I just wonder in our life, first, are your eyes blinded or are you making the decision to trust Christ as your Savior? And if you have made that decision, 
Are there people that you know that their eyes are still blind? And if you say, no, I don't know anybody. You know what I just say? Wake up, open your eyes. Because there's plenty of people all around us whose eyes are blinded to the truth of the gospel. And we need to be praying that God would open their eyes so that they would see the truth of the gospel. In our life, we need to be living our life in such a way that people will see the gospel through us, through the way that we live our life. Going on down verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, here as we read these verses, you can see that Paul is pointing back to that road to Damascus where God shined his light out of heaven down on the Paul. And you know, it was something that Paul never got over. We see that in Acts chapter number 9 where Paul never got over what God had done on the road to Damascus. He saw the glory of God shining down and he saw Jesus. You know, if we look through Paul's life, when he was at Jerusalem and they had captured him and they were taking him captive and he stood out right before this and said, hey, let me just say something. You know what Paul did? He began to say, I'm a Hebrew just like you. I'm a Jew just like you. And one day I was on the road to Damascus and I saw the light of God shining down and he changed my life forever when he was standing before Agrippa the king. In Acts chapter number 26, you know what he told Agrippa? He said, Agrippa, let me just tell you, I was persecuting the church. And then one day I was on the road to Damascus and I saw a light shining down and God changed my life. You know, for us, we should never get over the gospel and get over what Christ has done for us. Paul never got over what God had done for him. And too many times, I pray the reason we sit like the chosen frozen is still rejoicing in what God's done. We forgot what God's done for us. We need to remember what God's done in our life. Where would we be without Jesus? We'd all be in prison. We'd all be in the grave. We'd all be lost without Him. You know, Paul never got over what the gospel had done. He saw God's glory in the ministry of the gospel. But I think as we continue, he saw he, the suffering of God's glory. Verse number seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know what Paul's talking about there? These earthen vessels. He said, I've got the power of God living in me in this earthly body. And even though this earthly body's going to pass away, I've still got the power of God living in me. You know what? As I thought of this, and actually I was going to look something up and bring it. And I 
forgot about it, plug the fridge just right now. Back a number of years ago, I bought a gold coin, 99 point, or 0.9999% pure gold, right? You know what was you know what that gold coin was in when I bought it? It was in a little piece of cardboard and had plastic on each side. So it couldn't get fingerprints and stuff on. You know how much that little piece of cardboard and that plastic on each side was worth? Probably not a dime. You know how much that gold coin inside was worth? Several hundred dollars. You know what we need to realize in our life? This body that we worry about so much, we spend so much time picking out the right clothes, getting the right haircut. Making sure we got all the right deodorant and cologne on and the face cream and the makeup and everything else we do to it, right? You know, spend all sorts of time getting ready. You know what? It's not worth a dime. But what's valuable is that power of Christ in us. And Paul said, he said, for me, he said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This great treasure, this glory of God is in this earthen vessel. And can we not praise God because he's allowed his glory to dwell in us. If we're willing and we're ready to surrender to him, he goes on. We not only can see there how in that weakness of the body. He comes on and he says, but we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul said, hey, even though I'm going through all these, I'm going through all these troubles. He said, there's a purpose in it. Verse number 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. I wonder in our life if we could say as Paul that all these sufferings I'm going through it's just so that Christ can be manifest in me. Everything I'm going through just so Christ can be manifest in me. Have we come to that point in our life where we're ready to say everything? I may be going through a trial. But God be manifest in my life during this trial. You know, this past week, 
had to spend a few days in Chattanooga. And early one morning, as I was sitting there, waiting on some things to happen, I started thinking over the past few weeks, I've had a lot of opportunity to sit here and wait. I told y'all about, about having an opportunity to wait six hours on plane, sitting on the road. I told you last week about having an opportunity to sit and wait in the doctor's office for a long time. And I thought, here I am, Tuesday morning, waiting for you. And as I was waiting, I had my phone out, reading my Bible on my phone. And this thought came to me. God helped me to see you in the waiting I have been in my life. God, if you're really in control, what I need to quit doing is I need to quit getting anxious and upset when I have to wait. God just say, manifest your glory in my life. Let others see you in me. It might be death to me, but let others see that it's life to them. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ in relation to It's no longer I that you Christ. In Galatians 6 14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus. By whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. But then we continue on in verse 13. We see the presentation for God's glory. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the meaning may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Paul comes back and he says, you know that same power that raised up Jesus you can be encouraged. You have that same power living in you. That same power raise you up. You have that same power that can transform your life. Paul was not worried about the suffering he was going through because he realized that the power that raised Jesus from the dead was living in you as well. We see seeing God's glory, suffering for God's glory. And then Paul comes back to seeing God's glory again. Therefore, do not lose heart. Isn't that where he started in verse 1? He said, folks, be encouraged. Don't get discouraged. And after he told all that, he says, therefore, you know, when you 
See therefore you do look what it's there for. He said, because I told y'all that, don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. <laughs> Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paul didn't say to be concerned. He's dying. And let me just go ahead and give you a news flash. If you didn't know it, you're all dying. Everyone here in this building is a day closer to death than you were yesterday. I don't know when you're going to die, but you're one day closer. We can go ahead and say you're an hour closer to death than you was before this service started. Paul said, actually, if you look in the Greek, that word, the word there, even though the outward man is perishing, in the Greek, it's a passive verb. It means you don't have to do anything. It's going, you're going to be perishing. You are, you are dying. But Paul said, you know, my inward man is being renewed day by day. And for each of us, we should all be able to say that. You know, we can be renewed day by day. God has new grace for us every day. We can have new mountaintops to reach new things that he will show us being renewed day by day. How can we be renewed day by day? You know, the first thing we need to do every day, we need to spend time with God every day. We need to spend time reading his word. This past week, actually, I started kind of working on the message for Easter. You don't want to go to Emmaus. You don't have Jesus begin to teach these men that did not even know who this was. You know what he began? He started to proclaim the scripture. You know, if we ever want to know more about Christ, you know what we need to do? We need to get the book. We need to get the scripture. We need the day. Be renewing our mind, renewing our spirit day by day by spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, talking to Him. But here as we see God's glory, verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction. No, for Paul, the suffering in this life is just trivial. You say, Paul must have had a good life because he said, our life affliction. You know, if somebody didn't know anything about Paul, they'd think he must have been living a plush life. You know, he had a big salary, drove a nice car, lived in the big house, had plenty to eat, probably went out to eat every night. You know what? That wasn't Paul's life at all. If we turn on over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he starts beginning to tell what all he's endured. He says, <clears throat> he said, in labors, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. That's what Paul was enduring. He goes on, from the Jews, five times I would see 40 stripes minus one. The Jews thought that if you hit somebody 40 times, you kill them. 
So they beat somebody 39 times. He said, five times I've nearly been beaten to death. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Paul said, I've been shipwrecked where for a night and a day I was just floating out there in the water. You know what he called all that? Life affliction. Trivial. When you meet a fellow like that, you will say, well, what, what is it when it gets tough? Right? But Paul's perspective was not what was happening in this world. Too many times when we look at our problems, we want to put our problems under a microscope, don't we? And we want to try to blow up our problems and make it much bigger than what it is. Paul looked at his problems in light of eternity. And he said, this don't even matter. This is all true. A hundred years from now, I'll never even remember this. Let's go on to verse 17. Not only he see the suffering is trivial, he says the suffering is transitional. Which is for but a moment. During Paul's ministry, all through his ministry, he suffered for Christ. Yet he said it was but a moment. You know, in my life, I think I can handle just about any pain for a little bit of time. But if it's something that just continues and continues and continues, Grinds on me. But Paul said, I can see the end. I know it's just for a short time. It's, it's passing away. He says, is, but this suffering not only is it transitional, it's transformation. He said, it's working in us, working for us, a far more exceeding and more eternal weight. Of glory. You know what Paul realized? He realized that in the midst of all this suffering that he was enduring, that it was good for him. You know why? He realized this suffering was making him more like Christ. Because the suffering he was enduring, others were coming to know Christ. And I wonder in our life, are we only looking out for what we want? Are we thinking, you know what? I can endure some of this trivial suffering. I can endure it all the rest of my life. If I realize that it's making me more like Christ. And I'm drawing others to Christ. Paul had an eternal perspective. If we go on down, <clears throat> verse 18, he says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, Paul, instead of looking at his problems, as for a microscope. 
he looked at what was out there to scope of eternity. He said, I want to see those things that I can't see out there. It's going to make a difference in eternity. You know, in your life today, are you living your life in such a way that it will make a difference in eternity? Because we look today. Paul begins to show us living in life of God's glory. I just wonder today, are you seeing God's glory? No, really, I think there's two questions. The first question is, have you ever experienced God's glory? Have you ever come to the point in your life where you know that you need Jesus as a Savior? You know, if you haven't, that's the decision you need to make. And as we will see in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Paul says the day is the day of salvation. It's not something you need to put off. Have you experienced God's glory in salvation? And if you have, then the question for you today is are you showing others God's glory in your life? Paul, throughout his life, he realized it wasn't about him. He wanted to see God's glory and show up God's glory. His suffering was to more magnify the glory of God. And he continued to see God's glory, realizing that these trials were temporary. He wanted to make a difference in eternity. Do others see God's glory in your life? We're going to have a time of prayer and a hymn of invitation. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'd ask that you come and make that decision. If you have trusted Christ, are you living your life in such a way that others see the glory of God in your life? Let's pray. Lord, I just pray. God, as we look in your word today, God, I pray we'll be challenged to live our life in such a way that we manifest your glory in our daily life. Lord, if we can say, you're right, Lord. Or if there's someone here that's never trusted, God, I pray that you'll remove the blinding from their eyes. God, that they would come to trust you. Jesus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.